The Victory Formation Podcast is brought to you by Pilgrim Roasters. Pilgrim Roasters is a roastery and coffee shop located at 4120 Main Street in Maniunk, Philadelphia. Pilgrim Roasters specializes in unique coffees from all over the world, brought specially to you in-store and online at www.pilgrimroasters.com. Take 10% off your first order with Pilgrim Roasters when typing in promo code GOODSOUP10 at checkout and figure out what all the buzz is about. You know something? No soup for you! Come back one year! We both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal. You're supposed to buy me a meal. I'm not stopping you from eating. Go ahead and eat. Get anything you want. That's a lot of soup. That's a lot of soup. It looks delicious. What is up, everybody? It is Friday, March 4th. Rob Manfred can suck my balls. You really think it's his fault, dude? I think the players just need to suit up and fucking just get on the field. Dude, I am putting all the blame on the owners and Rob Manfred. He laughed at the press conference. He came on TV <laughs> before he came out to announce the season was delayed. He fucking laughed. He's a weasel. And, like, the players aren't asking for that much. They're really not. And I can see what the owners are doing. The longer they hold this out, the less they have to pay the players. Because there's like you said multiple times, there still has to be a free agency period once this all ends. Yeah. Um, I I'm at a loss for baseball. I mean, I hate to say I told you so, but I've been over this. I actually love to say I told you so, especially on this podcast. And I said baseball wouldn't start on time a month ago, and it's officially not starting on time. The first two series of the season have been canceled. Uh, they're really far from a resolution. The five-hour meetings a couple weeks ago have dwindled back down to 30-minute meetings where the players are just basically like, this is the same offer you gave us a month ago and we're not taking it. It it does not look good. So big thing for me that came away from this, I didn't even know how baseball was scheduled. Like, I didn't even know they had, like, legit dedicated series. Yeah. We're seeing, like, that's that's just my – that just shows you how much – like, how little I know about baseball. Um for me, like, I don't watch baseball on TV. So, like, the actual back-end, like, collective bargaining agreement argument stuff, as, like, I guess you could call me, like, business major guy, that's kind of interesting. Arguably, maybe more entertaining for me. But I definitely do feel for the fans that literally show up on opening day every year since me. they were, like, so, yeah, since they were, like, eight. Um, when I went to Phillies games for, like, either work or, like, a temple event, it was always so sick. It was always the best day, the skyline in the background. So I definitely feel for him, but I don't know. They're just going to have to figure it out. Uh, I saw some reports. I was listening to a guy that said the owners actually have come up on their numbers a little bit. But yeah. the one thing they're not budging on is the arbitration thing we hit on. They want earlier arbitration and don't want to give a higher minimum salary. Whereas the players are basically saying, all right, if you want to cut our arbitration time, then we want higher minimum salary for players, which seems like a fair trade. And the owner's refusing to do that. And the players want a minimum salary floor. They're really aggressive on that. Because like you already see, Tampa Bay says they're interested in trading Austin Meadows. Well, he's one of the top prospects in baseball, or was. He's been a really solid player. His contract's coming up, which is why they want to trade him. And one thing we fail to consider very often is how difficult it is to develop in one system 
and then get moved to a different team and have an entire new staff, new hitting coaches, everything like that, and have to adjust to it as a developing player. It can ruin a player's development, and the players are are talking about that, and the owners are refusing to meet them on that. Um, I will say, baseball is my favorite sport to watch live. I think it's the only sport that's really better live than it is on TV. And I go to a lot of baseball games, and I'm really going to miss it. I just, I don't know, man. I mean, I hear like when, so this is what I heard. I was listening to a guy on the radio and he said back in 2016, when they agreed to their most recent deal, the dude was saying, why did the players agree to that one? And like, like they, they didn't go for enough back then. And that's leading to this situation right now. But then I also think, didn't Mike Trout sign like a $400 million deal? Like the baseball salaries have always been crazy. Granted, that's like the top 1% yeah, of players. Yeah, that's, that's the argument. But, that's the argument is the top players do make a lot of money, but if you're just an average baseball player, you might not even make a million dollars. Whereas the NBA, the veteran minimum, if you play seven years in the NBA, it's a guaranteed $1.7 million contract. That's the least you can sign for. In football, it's 2.5. So baseballs is 500,000. That That's what they're arguing is there's a huge wage gap in baseball between the top talent and the bottom talent and everyone in the middle gets screwed. And the reason they didn't do it in 2016 is because the league wasn't making revenue like they're making now. Um, especially coming out of COVID where people were, were starved for sports. Baseball did really well last year it was their highest revenue grossing year ever, not adjusted, adjusted for inflation. So that is a big deal, but the, the players are arguing the owners are making more money than they ever have. It's time for a collective bargaining agreement that's good for both sides and not just one side like what happened in 2016. So you see this in every sport. The players will compromise and take a shit deal for so long, but eventually everything will come to a head. And if you, for lack of a better terms, oppress the players for 20 years, it's not just going to be a gradual, okay, give and take. It's going to be, no, we want everything this time. And I I don't think the players are going to budge on this. I see both sides, you know, if it was me getting paid $500,000 to play baseball, um, sign me up, dude. I'm, I'm ready to go. But I understand the union side of it. I understand wanting more benefits, I guess. So I see it from both sides. Um, I don't know. Just just going to have to wait and see. It's, yeah. it's, it's boring. It's, you're clearly not at the game. You're not getting a hot dog. You're not there with your friends. It sucks for the fans. But they're just going to have to work it out. I mean, is it possible there's no season? No, honestly, that would be suicide for the major leagues because that, and especially the minor leagues. I mean, we don't realize it in, you know, or I don't realize in a city like Philly, but minor league baseball sells out in small towns. Like it is a big deal in towns where there isn't a lot going on. And that's another issue is the minor league guys contracts. Cause if you're in single a, um, low a ball, you're probably working at Walmart and playing baseball. Um, I don't know how you remedy that. I don't know if the players are working to remedy that or not. That's been something that's kind of come up and gone away. But uh, who, who compromises first then? Do, the players the- aren't compromising. They've made that very clear. And the one thing about baseball is if you don't have your top end talent, no one's tuning in. If they got replacement players, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't watch. No one would. Um, they've tried that before. It didn't work in the 80s. So Fuck it, man. It, well, the players, the owners think they have the leverage. The players kind of have all the leverage at this point, and something's going to have to give. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll wait and see. Moving on to uh, some college basketball. We are entering the last week and last weekend of the regular season before conference tournaments start. I know some start this weekend. Um, Villanova upset Providence on Tuesday. I know I talked really highly of Providence and shit on Villanova. I am terrified because I hate Villanova so much and they looked good. And that's a team with Jay Wright. If they get in the tournament and they make a run to the elite eight or the final four, I might have to hang myself. I don't think I can handle it. I I really don't. I'll tell you this bullet point on college basketball this last week, this reinforced what I said last, last podcast or whenever we talked about it, like I don't think Providence, I don't believe in them going forward. I said, I like Nova and I literally predicted in a field like this, good coaching can affect it. Yeah. So you were spot on. You got to give yourself that pat on the back, dude. I'll, I'll pat your back for you. And then the second game we have on here, Temple versus Houston tonight. <laughs> I, I was shit to go Temple so bad last week, and I tuned in the ESPN to see what the score was. Six minutes in, it was 15-0. to zero. Last time I checked, Temple was only down 10, so they did battle back a little bit. They're but... down 16 right now. It's 49-33. <laughs> yeah, so, eek. <laughs> you know what? I will not say anything bad about Temple basketball. They are making strides. I may or may not have a future on them to win the American tournament based on the odds. Um, may yes, or may not means I advice. do. I do have a future on them. I, I put a future on a team of freshmen and sophomores, which is just such a big brain move for me. I'm so glad I did that. Um, they're getting shit pumped by Houston. Houston is the only team from the American that's any good. So like, take that yeah, as you will. 14th in the country too. Like, yeah. You know. Like Temple could win that tournament if Houston has to play Memphis and then Temple gets to play Memphis because they have played Memphis really tough. They beat them once, but. We shall see. I don't think that's going to happen. They're getting shit pumped right now. Another team that I really like that let me down. I talked about how much I liked Alabama on the last podcast and they lost Texas A&M this week. Texas A&M is pretty scrappy. Um, They're an all right team. They've had some, some solid wins this year, but I, just as I say, I like a team, they shit all over my heart and the sec is mayhem right now. Yep. Hey, this is your captain speaking. We have some turbulence in the SEC. Might want to buckle up for the next five days and enjoy the ride. Dude, you could I make am... an argument that anyone could win that tournament. Mm-hmm. Dude, because Auburn looks shaky. Um, Bama, like, what are they doing losing to Texas A&M? Like, dude, it's – God, like, this season, we say it every time. This is the craziest college basketball season that I can remember. I mean, I haven't followed it religiously my whole life, but since I've been watching, this is just absolutely nuts. What happened last weekend, all the conferences feel wide open for the most part. Kentucky plays at Florida on Saturday. I did not pick that game because I I don't know if I can ever pick against Florida again. That's a gauge. That's a gauge game. If Kentucky comes out and looks crispy with their guys back and everyone's in rhythm, look out for Kentucky to steamroll through the SEC tournament. If Kentucky loses that game, you can make a legitimate argument that eight teams could win the SEC tournament. It's wild. I mean, you you look at it right now, the standings are number five, Auburn, 14, Arkansas, seven, Kentucky, 13, Tennessee, and then number 25, Alabama. That's the top five. Then you got the Gators who beat Auburn. Yeah. Yep. South Carolina, 18 and 11, I don't know. Fringe, but you, fringe. 
You got LSU at 20 and 10 for the season. Another fringe team that's going to have a big game this weekend. Texas A&M, who just beat Alabama. Um, they're 19 and 11. Then you got Mississippi State at 17 and 13. I mean, not, not great, but... Still good. Like, what is that? The seventh or eighth team in that conference is 17 and, what did you say, 13? That's the 10th ranked team. 10th ranked team in the conference is 17 and 13. Yeah, they have 10 teams above 500 because then it goes to Vandy, Missouri, Old Miss, and Georgia who are all below 500. But yeah, they all suck. That's 10 teams, bro. That's absolutely nuts. I mean, I don't know if I give, like, like I don't know, but the top five are all ranked in the top 25. That's nuts. The top four, the, from three or from two to four in the rankings, they're one game back of, of, of Auburn. I yeah. mean, everyone's tied up there. That tournament has yet to be decided for seeding, and it will matter because some of those teams are going to get a double buy. Some of those teams are going to get a single buy. So we'll, we shall see. Absolutely wild. I, I love it. Um, I love it. More shocking upsets in college basketball. TCU beat Kansas. I think that was Tuesday night as well. Holy shit, TCU's on a run, man. Like they are, they're, they're toppling everyone right now. And they pretty much solidified their tournament spot. I think they're in now when, you know, a week ago, they weren't even in the last four out or first four out, excuse me. Now they're above the first four in. And if they win, you know, the rest of their regular season and win in the tournament, they're in. Yeah. TCU sitting at five in the big 12. Big 12 is just like the SEC. You got Baylor number three. Uh, half a game up on Kansas, who's the number six ranked team. Then you got Texas Tech in Texas at three and four. Then it's followed right up by TCU at 19 and nine. Iowa State is 20 and 10 for the year. And they're scrappy. Like that's seven teams right there above 500 in, in, in the Big 12. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, Kansas, like we've been talking about Kansas. We like Kansas. I said a few, uh, like two weeks ago, that they were kind of an under the radar, like top 10 team. I mean, you can't lose it to TCU, but TCU beat Texas Tech. Yeah, TCU's um, on a roll. I, I don't actually think that was, I mean, it was a pretty bad loss for Kansas. They got beat up pretty bad in that game, but uh, no shame in the Baylor loss. They lost that game on the road. This one's a little bit of a head scratcher against TCU. I still think Kansas will be fine. They're, they're probably still going to win the Big 12 regular season. They got a big game with Texas coming up on Saturday. But um, TCU, I mean, that's how you earn a tournament game. That's how you earn a spot. You go out and you beat two top 10 teams in the same week. Quad one wins. It's great for the resume. What have you done for us lately? Everyone, the, the, the whole selection committee watched, that, watched those games. And they're like, oh, shit, TCU. Yeah, I test. Speaking of mm-hmm. quad one wins, the team that leads the nation in quad one wins, Wisconsin, wins the Big Ten. We had them as a sleeper on, on the last pod. I think we're both in on them. We are both out on Purdue, or I was more out on Purdue than you, but I think we're both pretty out on Purdue. Wisconsin with a huge win wins the Big Ten title. That doesn't happen very often. Johnny Davis is outstanding. They got some guys that can ball. Yeah, um, like you just mentioned, I mean, when we were – looking ahead to conference uh, tournament picks, we said for the Big Ten, I mean, Wisconsin was the one that we were both looking at. We both said they, they definitely have a shot. I mean, they proved it in winning the Big Ten. I mean, that winning the Big Ten solidifies them if, they, if there was ever a question, which there wasn't, about them getting into the tournament. So they're definitely in. It doesn't guarantee them anything in the conference tournament, though. Um, no, they're going to have to play Michigan State 
most likely in the second round or third round. And I've already said, I love Michigan state to make a run here. I also love Wisconsin to make a run here. So something's got to give if Wisconsin wins the big 10 tournament, they might be a one seed yeah. just because of the quad one wins. Johnny Davis and Brad Davidson are their two best players. They're both really, really good. Chris Voigt is huge. Like he is, he looks like a robot. Yeah. I'm looking at the team stats right now. I mean, Chris Voigt, he only gets 2.5 points a game, but yeah, but he's a seven footer. Yeah. Big uh, 3.2 rebounds. Um, I, I always love it. How the guards like Johnny Davis, 8.3 rebounds leads the team. I fucking yeah. love it. Yeah. I do. Johnny Davis is fire. He is so fun to watch. I, I Wisconsin's usually like a slow grind them out, play defense type of team, but I think Davis gives them a different element. And again, I like how scrappy they are. I like red guard as a coach. I think in the tournament, as you stated on the last podcast, you were dead on coaching matters a lot. And that's why I like Michigan state. Cause they got Izzo and Izzo always does this. They, that, that team will go in as a five to an eight seed and beat a lot of really good teams in the tournament. I think Wisconsin is going to go in as a higher seed, but I have a chance to do the same thing. Right on. Heck yeah. We'll uh, transition into NBA roundup. I went to the Sixers game last night with my mom. They played the Knicks. It was the debut of the beard. Harden's first home game in Philly. They honored Wilt Chamberlain. It was Wilt night. I think they might've thrown that together last minute to get people to come, but uh sellout crowd. I said earlier in the season, the Wells Fargo center this year with the Simmons thing, hanging over the team, all of that. It, it didn't have the same juice in the WFC. You know, like we, we didn't have that, that Philly juice in there. This game, it was back, dude. It was loud. Um, we were trolling Knicks fans all night. My mom and I started saying bing bong every time the Sixers hit a three. And then the entire section started saying bing bong every time the Sixers hit a three. And there were two Knicks fans next to us and they did not enjoy any of this. Um, every time Jericho Sims came into the game, I would yell, who the fuck is that? It, it was just a really good night, you know, biased for myself. Cause I went with my mom and we had a very wholesome time. But, uh, one thing I want to ask you. The if you wear a high school or a college jersey of a player on a team to a game, is that just a Philly thing? I've always thought that was a really weird move. Like I saw a lot of Arizona State Harden jerseys, but that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I mean, personally, I love like throwback jerseys, especially like a niche jersey. Like my one Packers friend has like a Arizona, like a Rogers Cal jersey. Um, I like it, but I'm also in the camp of like wearing another adult guy's jersey is a little sus in my opinion. Not the worst thing in the world, but but like you're at a um, Sixers game, not an Arizona State game. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's it's a common move. You see it all the time in Philly, like all the time. Um, yeah, I mean, like anyone can get a Harden Sixers jersey, but I'm such a big fan. I'm gonna get the Arizona State Harden jersey to prove to everyone that I'm that much of a fan of James Harden. I don't know. You hit the nail on the head with that. Cause that's really what I think it is. It's look at me. I'm such a big fan that I have the Jersey of the guy from college. It's like sick. You went on AliExpress, like, cool. You know how to use the internet. <laughs> sick, yeah, dude. exactly. How much yep. you pay for shipping on that $10 Jersey. That's fake. Like $300. Like go fuck yourself. 
It's a weird move. It's an all-time weird move. Like, I'm okay. I have an, an Iverson jersey. I got a Julius Irving jersey. I got an Andrew Bynum jersey. I got a Drew Holiday, Andre Iguodala. You know, you can mix it up with Sixers guys. Go throwback Sixers. Yeah. But you're at a Sixers game. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, if, I, if I'm going to get a jersey, I want, like, especially a basketball one, Mitchell and Ness, Allen Iverson. Hell yeah throwback the Sixers black with the star on it I got it baby that's 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 my go-to if it's a big game I used to I I have a Seth Curry jersey that I can't wear anymore which is a bummer um but 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 see I also love the jersey of the guy who's not on the team anymore like personally like I don't like my one buddy had a Brett Favre Jets jersey that's like yeah I have the Bynum Sixers jersey he never played a game I don't know why, but I think that's so tough. That like, is. <laughs> I, I pull it out every so often. Like, if, if it's a, a, a shitty team they're playing, I'll pull out the Bynum jersey, rock that to the game, gets a couple laughs, people point. Kids are like, Dad, who's who's Bynum? And Dad's, like, has a Vietnam flashback of that trade. <laughs> it's just, like, great conversation starter, like you just said. What, even, the like, the Harden Arizona State, like, oh, cool jersey, like, like you said, it's like a look at me, uh, but good conversation starter. I don't know, but what else from the game? What they did well? It was yeah. Just so I one huge takeaway from the game is, and we talked about in the last podcast, but the ascent of Tyrese Maxey. He's so decisive with the basketball, and he's a guy that the Knicks had one play where Embiid set Harden a pick and roll at the top, and the Knicks shaded over towards Harden to Embiid. So their guy guarding Maxi in the corner shaded up to the wing to play the yep. pick and roll to cut off a drive. And Harden hits Maxi in the corner with a pass. And then instead of taking a corner three, he immediately catches and darts super hard to the basket, gets a layup and a foul. That decisiveness, that playmaking ability that goes outside of just knowing what to do once you get the ball, it's knowing what to do with the ball when you get the ball. It's way beyond his years. He was awesome in the game. He hit this one shot at the end of the shot clock where he just did a spin and threw up a prayer and it went in. He's on fire right now. Harden in the post game was talking. He was asked about Maxi and he said, we need him to be aggressive at all times. Anytime he gets the ball, go to the hoop. It's what we heard them say about Simmons for three years. If he gets the ball, he needs to be aggressive, decisive, whatever. Ben couldn't do it. Maxi can do it. And he's doing it. And he's one of the fastest players in the league. I, I would comp him to, he's what we thought De'Aaron Fox would be, but he actually developed into a great player or is developing into a great player. He's not there yet. And Fox never did. He stagnated. So I'm really excited to see his progression. Like they could have a big three on their hands with these guys. And then Tobias Harris and Danny Green and George Niang, who's playing really well. And Matisse Thibel had a good game. You know, if Matisse Thibel can shoot two of three from three, they're pretty much unbeatable team. That that play you just brought up about Maxi, that is like a stab in the back to all the analytics guys. Like, just take the open three. It's a higher percentage. Like, you're going to win if you take that. But you can't quantify the heart and the momentum and just that, that extra juice that that play gives you. Yes. When you drive hard to the basket, score the layup, get the foul, you earn that you earn that shot at the three points. Like that's just like a heart. And that's like that dog mentality that I know Philly sports teams have. And that just reinforces it. 
I think Harden's rubbing off on him too, because Harden is like, I want him to be aggressive. And when you have a guard in a backcourt like Maxi, who can cut off ball, he can play on ball, he can play with the second unit to go along with Harden. It adds another dimension. And he he's like, and I'm not comparing him to this guy because he's nowhere near it yet, but he's got that Russell Westbrook in him where he attacks really aggressive and really hard, sometimes even out of control, which can be a bad thing most of the time, but I love to see it. He, he's aggressive. He wants his own shot. And Ben never did that. And I think it's a huge improvement to see him playing along hard alongside Harden because now he has space to operate. And if you're shading the Harden and bead pick and roll, which you have to do, Maxi, Niang, Harris, uh, Thibel, all these guys are going to be open to hit shots. And last night they did. And uh, it looked like Harris is getting a little more comfortable playing alongside Harden, which is good. Now that he's the fourth option, I love that. And he still brings a good defensive intensity and can play in the low post and gives you versatility. They are playing the next two games in a row. So we're about to see, and this isn't a litmus test on the Sixers in the playoffs, but they're about to get tested with Cleveland, Chicago, uh, sorry, Cleveland, Miami, Chicago, Brooklyn coming up. That's a tough stretch. Yeah. Yeah. And tell me if this, um, like this situation to me looks a lot like, Chris Paul going to the Suns and the impact he can have on Devin Booker. Hell yeah. Um, th- Hell th- yeah. That, that veteran coming in, Harden's on his fourth team. Chris Paul was on, I don't know, maybe his fourth or fifth team when he went to the Suns. It's like, th- it's that veteran coming into the locker room in practice. He's been in all these different coaching systems. He's seen every type of play that you could have on a basketball court. And he's passing that knowledge off to all the players on that team, making them better. The spacing, yeah. that's huge. Like when, when you draw a guy where, where the, the dude marking you has to shade up into the lane and he takes that attention away from you, that's big for everyone on the floor. And if Maxi's going hard to the rim like that, it's going to open up shots for him. He hit a couple step back threes where he's so quick. If he makes that first step, you got to back up. And then if he steps back, he's got room to hit a shot. It gives them beat opportunities to get shots in the mid range. It gives Harden opportunities to shoot off the dribble from three. It creates a spacing mismatch on the floor. Thibel's great off ball cutting. So it opens up all these avenues. And like you said, bringing in Harden as a leader, not only helps them on the floor, but it helps Maxi off the floor. He's showing him drills. He's showing him how to work to become a great player. He's instilling confidence by saying, I have confidence in you. Having one of the best players in the world say, be aggressive. I have confidence. You'll make the shot is a huge boost. And in basketball, it's 60% confidence, 40% skill. We see it all the time. Like, yeah, you need to be super skilled, but you also need to be super confident. Shout out Furkan Korkmaz, who like won't take a shot right now because he's afraid he's going to miss. You can't play timid. You can't play like that. You got to be confident. Believe every shot's going to go in shooter mentality. You're in the NBA. Like everyone is talented. So that you need that confidence edge over the next guy, over the person who's guarding you, you have to believe that you're going to just dominate that guy tonight. You're going to give him 30, and he's not going to get anything on you. Yeah, That's the difference. Everyone can make a shot. It's the fucking NBA. Yeah. it's And Maxi said it in his post game. The confidence comes from the nights in the gym where you're the last guy in there and the lights are off and no one's watching you. You have confidence in the next shot, even if you miss four, because you know you put the work in. And the fact that he's saying that in his, what, second season as an NBA player, I love it. I love what this team is headed. We will see how it pays off. But I think even 
going forward beyond this year too, they're on the right trajectory and Harden seems like he wants to be here. The fans are embracing him. It was really great to see. Yep. Speaking of another ascending star in the league, John Morant is on a historic tear. Last two games he's played, he dropped 46 on Chicago. We talked about the 360 layup. He dropped 52 on San Antonio um, two nights later. He's solidifying his place among MVP voters. He could be the MVP right now. I mean, I hate doing this this early because it's like the MVP will change four more times before the end of the year. But he's arrived. And if you weren't paying attention to John Morant and the Grizzlies, you are now. It's, it's really impressive. It's really impressive. And I know when James was on, I threw out the John Morant for MVP flyer. Like you said, I mean, I don't know what the voters are going to pick, who they're going to pick, but he's doing everything he can to yeah. be in the conversation and win it. Um, he is so young, but, you know, I know the NFL is different. Like Lamar in his, what, second season won the MVP. Like, Yeah. I mean, you know, I will say I said Embiid's – usage rate was going to take a hit it really hasn't um since Harden's been in the lineup he's had his lowest usage rate at 33 percent so and Bede still has a really good shot to win the MVP Jokic still has a really good shot Giannis is having statistically one of his best seasons it's going to be tough for him to win another one if Steph gets hot it's it's really whoever's hot at the end of the year but all of these guys have a shot. It's too early to predict it because, again, predicting an MVP in March is asinine because it's going to change. But Morant is trying to solidify his case right now. Yeah, it's it's MVP caliber at the worst, you yeah. know? So, Heck yeah. Well, another NBA topic. Uh, the Suns appear to be keeping pace without Chris Paul. They've moved to seven games up on the Warriors for the two seed. The Warriors are on a little bit of a slide. They've lost two straight. Uh, after the all-star break at this point there's seven games up with under 30 games to play they might be a lock for that one seed and that's really big for them so I just wanted to give them a shout out because I did not think that was going to happen I had predicted that they would fall and they haven't so far yeah I'm looking at the standings right now um yeah seven games up yeah that's that's crazy um if they do start to slide and the Warriors you know kick it into overdrive who knows what could happen but i mean the grizzlies are right there is only only a half game behind the warriors and now the grizzlies are full three games up on the jazz um for that three spot which i think is huge because if you look at it if you're the three right now you're gonna get to play denver or dallas essentially i mean minnesota might slide up but i doubt it that's infinitely better than playing utah um, or I guess Dallas is the five. So if Utah jumped them, they would play Dallas, but I would much rather play the nuggets with one player right now. The nuggets are injury ridden up and down the lineup. Um, so yeah, I mean, they might luck out and get the two seed and get to play. Uh, well, I guess they would play the nuggets right now. Yeah, they would. So if they get yeah, the two seed, they'd get to play, uh, the Timberwolves. Yeah. I, I mean, play in game aside, but Timberwolves right now would play the Pelicans. Lakers would play the Clippers. Yeah. There's still 20 games. Like, there's 20 games left, 19 games left. So, yeah, there's, still a, lot a, lot of of, yeah, there's a lot of the season left. So, we'll yeah. just have to see how it shakes out. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, do, but, but wait, I'm, I'm looking at the standings too. Um, Eastern Conference might be a little off topic, but like <laughs> the Suns are seven games up on, on the two team. Six games separates the one from the seven in the East. I know. I'm getting really scared about Boston, man. I'm getting really scared about Boston. I do not want the Sixers to play Boston in the playoffs. That is just, if they lost to Boston, I would never recover. I would never financially recover from that. <laughs> I, I would just probably like go into a hole and cry uh, forever. I, I don't want to play that. I, I think the Sixers will pass the Bulls. They have a game with the Heat coming up, but they play the Bulls at home the night before. It is a brutal back-to-back. They got to go from Philly to Miami to play a game. I almost picked Miami in Finney's betting corner, which we'll get to just because of that. And even Doc Rivers in his press conference after the game last night was like, that is a brutal back-to-back. You know, it's going to be tough to win that game. Not wrong, especially against a really physical Heat team. We'll see. I- I'd say Embiid might sit that game, if I'm being honest. But um, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah. Uh, last topic in NBA roundup. Zion Williamson is now out indefinitely. They said, this is a quote from Willie Green, Pelicans head coach. We are pleased with the results that he's progressing, but it's still a long, long road ahead of him. He's aware of it, but he's taking necessary steps to continue and improve. We'll see how it goes. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't sound like he's playing this year at all to me. So I think he's done for the year. Like I said, I think he's done with the Pelicans. I don't think he plays another game. Uh, what do you think? I mean, that quote is so ridiculous. What do you even, what, what do you talk? We're pleased with the results that he's progressing, but it's still a long road ahead of him. Like, I didn't see the whole clip, but what, what is he addressing? What, what's the injury? What is his rehab? What is he, like, you don't, you, he, that entire statement told me nothing. Mm-hmm. It's classic coach speak. It's the, uh, the standard is the standard. You know, all of those like coach speak cliches are in that we're aware of it, but he's taking the necessary steps to continue to improve. That is the vaguest statement I've ever heard. We'll see how it goes. Oh yeah. I guess we will see how it goes. Cause he's either going to come back or he's not like that. Right. He, he didn't say anything. If he's out indefinitely, you're not giving away any secrets or any tips. Like a team, a team is going to play you guys and they're going to know, I don't know when you're in the playoffs or like, you're not giving away anything. Just tell us what we want to know. Yeah. And, and he didn't say anything. So it's ridiculous. No. I, I mean, listen, we've been, we've beaten the dead horse on Zion. I think he's done. You think he's done. So yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's NBA roundup. We got a new segment alert on this podcast. It's called overreaction or just right. Basically the way this is going to work. Finney's going to throw me some hypotheticals and I'm going to tell the viewers, whether it's an overreaction or just right. And then Finney's going to say whether it's an overreaction or just right. You want to lead us off? All right, let's get into it. This one's made just for you, Eric. The Sixers will win the Eastern Conference. I think that's an overreaction right now, just because of how deep the Eastern Conference is. I think the Sixers are my betting favorite right now with, with how it's looked so far. But we're three games into this. I, I mean... The Sixers have come out and thrown the first punch with the Harden and Bead thing and shown it's worked. But now there's game film. 
They're going to play some good teams. There's going to be game film on that. Teams are going to be able to break it down, put in systems to stop this. And then Doc's going to have to come back and counter. And then teams are going to counter. And Doc's going to have to counter again. I think that's an overreaction. Um, but I'm hopeful. Yeah, from, from my point of view, it's not really a slight on the Sixers. It's more that statement could be just right for the top teams. six teams, yeah, the top, top seven, like, like the, the Raptors, if they get scrappy, scrappy, but you got the Heat, Bulls, Sixers, Bucks, Cavs, maybe, Celtics, Raptors. Brooklyn. Like, like, yeah, like who knows what happens to the Nets. And that's the top eight. So, you know, it, it could be just right. I don't also think it's an overreaction. I think I fall like right in the middle, but I fall right in the middle with eight teams. So that doesn't really help anyone out at all. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's an overreaction so far. Uh, we shall see. Maybe ask me in a couple months and I'll tell you. Yep. Next one. John Morant is the NBA MVP. I'll also say overreaction just because I just went over how it's impossible to say who the MVP is this early in the season and early in quotes, it is later in the season, but like there's 20 games left, as you said, anything can happen, but it's, it's teetering close to that line at this point, uh, the way he's playing, the way that he plays, the attention he captures, the fact that he hasn't won one before. Uh, but I, I still think it's an overreaction. Yeah. Um, he, he was like fifth or sixth when we checked the odds um, when James was, was last on the podcast. So, like, if you, if you listen to Vegas, it's not, you know, it's definitely not just right in their eyes. So I would also probably lean overreaction, but the kid's got a shot. If he keeps it up and if he just steals all the attention and it fits the storyline that the voters want, I, I think there's a shot. But, like, we talked about this, too. Like, the NBA is so deep. It's so deep with talent. So, you got Giannis at the top and B. Shit, Jokic. Like, 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 like who else? Like, name Steph your guy. could throw his hat back in the ring, although it exactly. seems like a long shot now. Giannis. I, there's guys. Yeah. So, I would also lean over reaction like you, but not to be boring, but it's kind of right in the middle right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's getting close to just right, but it's still an overreaction. Yeah. Um, next one, taking it back to our first segment today. Will the NBA season, the MLB season will not start until June. So that's two months into, um, you know, usually starts in April. So that's a two month delay because of all the collective bargaining. What do you think? As of today, I think this is just right. Because if you think about it, yeah, we're, we're at March 3rd. They've said the first two series of the season are canceled. That takes us to the second week in April. If the MLB resumes, say they, they sign an agreement March 31st, they got to have two weeks of free agency because there's a ton of guys who aren't signed. It's not just going to happen in a day. They got to talk to these front offices. Front offices have to figure out restructuring around the new CBA, yada, 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 all of that stuff. Then they got to go through some kind of training. Pitchers and catchers have to report. They have to throw. Guys have to get into a groove. They're going to have to play, you know, preseason, not spring training, at least five games. That takes us to probably mid-May at that point. So it could start end of May, but 
I don't think it's an overreaction. I think it's just right that at this point, June seems like a logical date to start the season, which is what happened during COVID, which is crazy to think about. We could be on that trajectory again. Now, this could change in a week if they do sign a CBA agreement and everything comes together. But judging by the timetable that they've put out, I don't think it's an overreaction. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's any compromise. Um, At what point is there no season? That's kind of my question. If it Um, gets to August and there's no agreement, then there's no season it's over yeah but like, i don't think that i think there's a zero percent chance that happens yeah like what's the minimum amount of games but like you said i think it's it's either just right or maybe no it's definitely not too early um yeah i think i think june's pretty fair if you look at it the exact situation that you just laid out i think that's pretty fair yeah um tom brady will play for the 49ers next season Ah, this one's so tough. Because if you think about it from a logical standpoint, he's from the Bay Area. He's always wanted to play for the 49ers. He would go replace Jimmy Garoppolo, which would be a a hilarious storyline. He'd only play one season there. They're already ready to win a title. I I still think it's an overreaction. It seems like Tom is done. I want to say just right because I want to see Tom Brady win another Super Bowl with the 49ers. How epic would that be? He retires, he comes back, and then he wins the Super Bowl. But I'll say it's an overreaction right now because I am I follow him on Instagram. The Brady brand's blown up. I, uh, I bought myself a sweatshirt, not going to lie. Well, for me, didn't Bruce Arians say it's going to be take five first-round picks to trade for Tom Brady? Yes. But if Tom Brady applies enough pressure, they will let him go. They will release his rights. He's Tom Brady. He won them a Super Bowl. Like, I I think that's smoke and mirrors from Bruce. I don't think Bruce Arians has the control to make that decision. I think if John Lynch calls them and says, here's two first-rounders and a player, maybe Brandon Ayuk. I wouldn't want to give him up, but maybe. Um, Let's make a deal. Um, It it is still in the NFC. So, like, we, yeah, the, the AFC is scary. Yeah, um, and the so. NFC's kind of wide open. And, like, you know, you put Tom Brady on the Niners. They were a quarterback away from winning a title last year. They they really yeah. were. Like, if yeah. they make better decisions in that Rams game, from a, if Garoppolo does, they probably win. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to go with reaction. I don't think there's any shot in hell it happens. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I'll say overreaction for now, too. But check in in about two weeks. Let's see. Yeah. Um, little college basketball here. Ohio State will miss the NCAA tournament. I think this is just right. And I know that's crazy because they're ranked 23 right now. But they have 10 losses. If they lose to Michigan, which is on the table, I don't think it'll happen, but it's on the table. And they lose in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. TCU is vaulting themselves in a position. Memphis is vaulting themselves in a position. Maybe another team from the American makes a run. Like UConn's losing some games. They're pretty much guaranteed to make the tournament at this point. I don't know. Like they are falling fast. And I'm going to say just right. Cause I, I think they might lose to Michigan. I think they might lose in the big 10 tournament real early. I, I don't like the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I mean, well, right now they're up on your your Michigan State Spartans by 12 with minute 30 left in the game. I did um, not see that. That's huge. Yeah, so, so they're up right now. I mean, the Big Ten is deep. The tournament's going to be tough, but 
if they're beating Michigan State by 12 right now, I'm going to change my my answer to overreaction. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think the boys still have some fight in them. The Big Ten is tough, but the Big Ten is also deep. So if, if they end the season ranked, I don't see how there's a way they don't get an at-large bid. Yeah, that Michigan State win is going to keep them ranked. Yeah. So that's so. bad for Michigan State. I did not know that. Yeah, so um, I'll say overreaction I would, I, then, and I'll I would go. Point. Yeah, I would go a fat overreaction on on that one. But cool, um, Malik Willis. This is a some college football NFL topic. Malik Willis will be the number one QB, so the first QB, so number one. Yeah, selected in the 2022 NFL draft. I think that's just right. Um, I'm out on Kenny Pickett. I think he sucks. His hands are really small, which is a death sentence for NFL quarterbacks. Also, like, he's not that skilled. If anything, he's a poor man's Baker Mayfield. And uh, Malik Willis can throw the piss out of the football. He's got great mechanics. He can run. He's going to have to put on some muscle. But as a, I don't like any of the quarterbacks, particularly in this draft. But out of the guys available, I think he is the best option if you're going to develop a guy, if you can put him behind someone. Like, if Detroit doesn't get Hutchinson and he's there, there's a chance they take him and put him behind golf for a year. I really believe that. So I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see a quarterback going in the top five, but if a guy is, I think it's gotta be Willis. I mean, you saw it last year with, with Trey Lance going early with just basically picked off his skill and none of his resume. I, I think Willis, by the time the draft comes around, is going to easily be the number one guy. I think that's just right. I'm looking at an article now. It says, the favorite on FanDuel is Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett. Pickett had a great year for the Pitt Panthers with the only real concern around him that he has small hands. <laughs> he doesn't have a great arm. Like Malik Willis has a piss cannon for an arm. Like he throws absolute dime rockets, just spirals ripping through the air. I won't say Josh Allen-like, but he he's kind of throws a similar football and has a similar motion. Um, he's got a really high floor, but I think he's got really high potential too. If he goes to the right team and the right development system. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Um, this article was written, uh, on March 2nd. Um, so two days old, but Pickett is at plus one twenty to go first. It, it might've changed since the new information came out. But then Malik Willis is right there at plus 150. Like it's the gaps closing. I think at the combine, yeah. Willis will jump him because yeah, the way so. that he'll measure and he'll run yeah. and his speed and athleticism. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'd also probably lean just right. Like small hands, man. That's I'm looking at the draft order right now. He's not going to Jacksonville. There's a chance at with Detroit at number two. But if Hutchinson's there at number two, I feel like the Lions are going to take him from Michigan, all of that. Houston at three, there's an option, but like, it's not a great QB class. You have Davis Mills. Why not roll the dice one more year? And then if you're really bad, you get Bryce Young. Is that the end of the world? No. So I don't think Houston takes him. The Jets aren't taking him at four. I don't think the Giants are taking him at five. Then you get to six. The Panthers need a quarterback. That's a terrible situation for him. I really hope he doesn't go there. I don't think they'll be able to develop him. The Giants pick again at seven. 
I think there's a chance they take a quarterback at that pick since they have two top 10 picks, but probably not a great one. They seem to like Daniel Jones. Best case scenario for him is eight to the Falcons. I think play behind Matt Ryan for a year or two. You're going to have a great coach and Arthur Smith. I, I think the Falcons at eight is the best situation for him, followed by Denver at nine where you have a lot of talent already. Javante Williams can take some pressure off. Uh, I know they want Rodgers, but I don't think that's going to happen. And then if he starts falling, Washington at 11 is a nightmare. We got the Vikings sitting at number 12. So who knows? Anything's possible. And then after that, it's Browns. They're not going to take quarterback. Ravens, Eagles, Eagles, Chargers. Yeah, he's not going to fall that far. So I, I think best case scenario, he goes – eight to the Falcons likely case scenario. He goes six to the Panthers. Yep. I agree. I agree, but cool. So talking about the NFL and, and, and the, the combine, what's going on, Eric, what's going on with the combine? I am. I don't care. I think the combine kind of sucks. I, I like looking at the numbers when it's over, but like, I'm not going to watch it. I can see this guy bench press 35 times. Like, cool. I don't care. And I think we overvalue 40 times. I'm going to get on this hill. Game speed matters much more. It's very rare. Like John Ross is the perfect example. He has the best 40 time ever at the combine, but he was not that fast on a football field because he doesn't have game speed and field awareness and knows where to run. Like Tyreek Hill is the perfect blend of practical speed and game speed. He knows how to move. He knows how to be shifty. He knows how to get open. But there are plenty of guys who like didn't run fast times at the combine who are really fast on the field because they understand where to be and how to be there. So I, I'm kind of out on the combine. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're spot on with the 40. I mean, you're, like, you're running in tight spandex and in a, a tight line. shirt. Yeah, in a straight line with no pads on, none of the gear. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess it, it does equate like raw just speed and who's the fastest, but it, like you said, it doesn't translate. It doesn't translate to on the field, but it doesn't I mean, always translate like Tyree kill translated Jamar chase yeah. translated certain guys like Chris Johnson, fast, but like Justin Jefferson didn't have a great 40 time and he is very fast on the field. Stefan Diggs didn't have a great 40 time. He's really fast on the field. If you have good footwork and you're shifty and you have game speed and in game speed and straight line speed are two completely different things. If you have in-game speed, it doesn't matter what your 40 time is. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I love the, the, the dude a few years ago that jumped like that, like standing long jump 12 feet. That's always just like the freak of nature stuff where these guys just like high jump or not high jump, but like the standing vertical, just like clear all of them. Like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, the measurables do matter to an extent. I think hand size with quarterbacks, but you're not going to figure out what kind of thrower a quarterback is from throwing at the combine. It's kind of a lose-lose. You're throwing to an open guy, a guy you've never thrown to before most of the time, just like a random receiver who's also at the combine. That's tough, man. You got no timing with these dudes. I don't know. Like, look at Jamar Chase last year. He, he had a kind of a bad showing catching the ball at the combine and then in preseason – and he was talking about the stripes and the ball. It's harder to pick up and people freaked out. And then he had the greatest rookie season ever. I, I think what matters is game tape and game speed and how you play. The team you're drafted to. Bingo. The like, development system of that team. Yeah. Like whoever goes to Jacksonville, probably going to suck. Whoever goes to Houston, probably going to suck. Whoever goes to the Jets, definitely going to suck. Whoever goes to the Giants, probably won't ever play in the NFL again. Like some of these organizations are so bad 
that I don't see how these guys develop, but it's all about situation, fit, scheme, and how these guys perform on the field. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. yeah. You want to lead now us we're... in the big segment? This is what we've all been waiting for. The money maker on this podcast, baby. Yeah. Finney's betting corner. I mean, I, I told you guys I was going to come with volume. I came with volume. I've never but... seen volume like this. We're talking like Houston Rockets three ball error volume. Dead ass, dead ass. But all right, but, but you guys are gonna have to sit tight. You're gonna let Eric lead it off. What do you got for uh Saturday? I uh I have all my picks on on Saturday except one that's on Sunday. Um I got Arkansas over Tennessee at 12. That's that's 16 versus 17, I think. I like yep. Arkansas in that game. I think they match up pretty well with Tennessee, even though it's at Tennessee. Uh I like UConn over DePaul. That's not a ballsy pick at all the paul's not very good i just think that's a nice little caper i got duke over unc i think that one's a lock coach k's last game in durham they're playing north carolina north carolina is okay but duke is duke and i think they're gonna roll ucla over usc that's a bit of an upset i bet ucla will end up being favored because they're at home i don't believe in usc at all i didn't like how they played against oregon even though they won i got the timberwolves over the blazers again that's not necessarily like a ballsy pick or anything i just think it's going to happen and then michigan state over maryland uh which i'm nervous about now because you said michigan state lost to ohio state but i still like that pick maryland's not and i think maryland beat ohio state yeah they did so it's crazy but i mean it's it, it's game to game i mean the michigan state especially can't tie together losses at the end of the season they have to no, they have to stay on a run. They have to stay yeah. on a run. This this is my I believe in Michigan State game. They're just going to beat a team they're better than. They have to win yeah. this game. Yeah, it is especially like Maryland, like some people were joking that they jumped into the quad three after they beat Ohio State, but sure. you can't have a quad four, quad three loss. No, at not the end this of the late. Year. Not this when, late. When you're essentially I mean, they're in the Big Ten, but like it's, it's fair to say they're a bubble a bubble team. Yeah. No, so. they are. Um, they are a bubble team and if they, if they win this game and then win a couple in the big 10 tournament, I think they end up as like a six or a seven seed, but, uh, we will see. So I got Arkansas, UConn, Duke, UCLA, the Timberwolves and Michigan state as my picks. If you want a mortal lock of the weekend, it's UConn over DePaul. What do you got Finn? Love it. All right. All right, guys, strap in, get your notebooks ready. We have. Five betting plays. They're all parlays with a total of 21 different picks. I will be tracking each game so I can see how my total picks went. And then we'll also track how the five parlays went. So granted, I could go two and three betting-wise, but still be up units. Um, my best get is best best guess is I'll lose one pick in each parlay and just go oh and five and then have like how it a 70 works yeah have like a 70 percent like correct rate on all my picks but just lose one game but um with that great energy let's go into each pick i got three parlays on saturday two on sunday the sunday parlays are definitely way more suspect but um let's get into it the first college basketball one 
I got some asterisks next to some of these games. I don't love a few of these games in this parlay, but that makes me love the whole thing even more. Um, first game at 12 p.m., we got Nova over Butler. This game is at Butler. Um, scary. Yeah, so scary. But, God, it's like it's like last week I bet on all these road teams, and it bit me in the ass, first losing week on the pod. But um, we were sucking Jay Wright's dick today. Um, they just Someone beat- send me a Bobby. Butler sweatshirt. I'll put it on. <laughs> Go Bulldogs. Fuck you, Villanova. Yeah, um, I won't get into every game, but, you know, like Nova's 22-7, and 15-4 in the conference. Butler's 13-17, and 6-13 in the conference. I mean, the points and points allowed, it's, it's clear edges to Villanova, but these late games big in the Big East, I mean, it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But um, let's roll through the other ones. Um, Auburn versus South Carolina. I'm taking Auburn. Then we got Purdue versus Indiana. This is at Purdue. Uh, I mean, Indiana needs wins right now. Yeah, Purdue's going to bounce back. I like that. I feel good in your pick here. Yeah, uh, you know, Purdue has good offense, real good offense. Defensively, they're definitely suspect, but I'm taking Purdue. Then we got the one that's really suspect in this parlay. We got Kentucky at Florida. Whew. I'm betting on the boys from Kentucky. Betting on the boys in blue. Uh, then we got Baylor at Iowa State. We mentioned Iowa State as one of those middle teams in the Big 12, but I'm just taking the best team, the better team here, and I'm going with Baylor. And then right with Eric, we got Duke UNC. I'm taking Duke. That's at 6 p.m. Um, so with all these games that I'm telling you guys too, you're going to have to get the, the two TVs out or the TV, your laptop, and your phone so you can watch all these games. But that's a six-team parlay on Saturday from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. That's an all-day affair. Um, I'm going to put one unit down on it. That's a six-team parlay. I don't know what the payout's going to be. I'd probably say maybe around, like, plus, like, three to 400 potentially. Um, so, yeah, that's the first one. Then we got the, the Saturday, uh, the second parlay for Saturday. Uh, this is only a four-game parlay we got arkansas over tennessee riding with eric there um alabama over lsu this is not a game to overlook um that's alabama gonna be a close did, game exactly alabama did just lose um lsu is very competent in the sec um and it's a, it's a road game but I'm, I'm gonna ride with alabama then we got kansas versus texas this is at kansas i'm taking kansas on this one both ranked teams, uh, big game for both teams for seeding purposes. Um, got, I got to believe in Kansas here in this spot. And then we got Princeton over Penn. Princeton is significantly I love that you this game. Princeton is significantly better if you look at the stats than Penn. Um, so I'm just gonna. Are you I, gonna I had to watch throw... a Penn basketball game for this? No, I'm not gonna watch it. But <laughs> I, I, I believe in the pick that much that I'm gonna put it in there and just throw it away and just worry about the other ones that's fair um so th- those are the two saturday college basketball ones we got i mean that's 10 picks for you guys um yeah moving into sunday the early slate we got houston at memphis i'm picking houston Rutgers versus penn state i'm gonna go with Rutgers, uh playing at Rutgers. ohio state versus michigan this is a suspect game um literally every game i tell you guys is suspect is the game that's probably gonna lose 
um, in, in each of these parlays, but I'm taking Ohio State there. And then we got Wisconsin at Nebraska or versus Nebraska. So it's at Wisconsin. Yeah, it's um, a win. Nebraska has like nine wins this year. Yeah. That's a massive lock. That's probably that's probably only going to bring the odds of the parlay like to even. But um, any extra juice you can get, um, I'm going with that. And then we got the late parlay on Sunday. Hopefully, it's not a bailout spot for you guys. But Illinois versus Iowa. I'm taking Illinois here. Um, Big Ten matchup, suspect pick, but I love like it, it. Love it. Love Illinois. I'm yep. Like- that's at 7:30 p.m. on Sunday. Then we got Michigan State versus Maryland riding with Eric with yeah. Michigan State. Hofstra at Charleston. I put I it's funny like all of these fringe games like Princeton Penn and Hofstra versus Charleston. I've actually put like effort into looking at these stats. Um I like I like Hofstra here. Um so I'm taking that. That's an 8:30 pick and then we got Oral Roberts versus Western Illinois. I really did just have to find a game to throw in here for that that fourth spot. I think it'll help the odds out. Um so those are my college basketball picks. I came with volume. It's going to be tough to keep up with them. Going to have all the ESPN app alerts on. Um, Did what you, do you think? <laughs> you said your last pick in that Sunday parlay, right? Yep. So I'm more of an anal Roberts guy over Oral Roberts. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> Had to make the joke. Can't oh, let it I go. I've never heard that. <laughs> what? You've never heard that? No, that's great. All right. There you go. That's, that's a little, great. But, a little dad joke for you. Um, so, yeah, guys, I'm going to come back. That is 18 bas- college basketball picks. You I'm are... hoping that... – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, I'm just saying I'm hoping to go 18-0. and 0. I think it's possible. certainly is possible. It's a yes or no on if they win or not. But um, we'll see. That's that's four units on the line. Um, hopefully, I give, give, you, give you guys some winners. What do you, you guys say? You are literally – Charlie from Always Sunny just saying Pepe Silvia, Pepe Silvia, Pepe Silvia over and over at the chalkboard with all the the strings going everywhere right now. But I love it. I love it. See, you come off a losing weekend and Finney picks 18 games. So you, you can't get this anywhere else. If you go 18 and 0, we're going to have to do something. I mean, get, get the playbook ready, dude. He goes 18 and 0, I'll do the ice bucket challenge. Get ready, man. Get get the get the ice machine rolling. Um, but the 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 fifth parlay that um, you know I'm holding out for you guys. Saturday, UFC two seventy two. Um, we got some big big uh, fights, at least from my personal fandom. Uh, but we can transition into that preview. Um, yeah, let's we got let's the, talk UFC two seventy two, brother. The top three fights, um, we have Covington and Masvidal. That's the main event. Um, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. Um, Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. Rafael Dos Anjos versus Renato Mociano, I want to say. Mociano yes, is filling in right. for he, – he's filling in for Fizev, who had COVID. Um, so this guy is like – six days notice is, is about to fight. Um, and then we have Edson Barbosa versus Bryce Mitchell. That's match three. Um, Kevin Holland versus Alex Oliveira at match four. And then the first fight of the main card is Sergey Spivach. Spivach. Spivak. Sp- Spivak. 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 Sure. Why not? <laughs> versus uh, Greg Hardy. Wife beater. So. Loser. Scumbag. 
piece of shit. How is he seven and four and he's still getting fights? I, I think it's just because we all hate Greg Hardy so much that we want to see him get beat up. But he, I, I can't wait to see him get his ass kicked. He's a big name. Played in the NFL. He has name recognition, I guess. I mean, all, all the UFC fans I know hate him. So before so. I get into what I like and don't like on this card, uh, what are your picks? So my picks, I'm not going to dabble with the the first two fights with the Greg Hardy one and the Kevin Holland, Alex Oliveira fight. So I'm picking the top three fights here. I said it for a few episodes now. I'm going to go Colby right off the top. It's, it's minus 310. So it's, it's not enough juice for me to take what's well, way too much juice for me to take straight up. Um, so I'm throwing all these picks into a parlay. Then I'm going to go Dos Anjos just because um, his opponent is taking this on like six days notice. Like he just figured out about it. Um, and then I'm going to go Bryce Mitchell, Thug Nasty versus Edson Barbosa. Uh, I think Barbosa is the number 10th ranked featherweight yes. and yes, Mitchell is. is 11th. So Mitchell's still the betting favorite. Um, it feels because- like one of those yeah. fights where they're throwing a veteran at Mitchell to see if he can cut the mustard. Yeah. And I mean, he's 14 and one in, in his professional uh, fighting career. Barbosa's 22 and 10. Uh, I, listen, this is just a out of love and fandom pick. I'm taking Bryce Mitchell here. Yeah. Um, um, I'll, I'll build off that. The embedded UFC series they do before every fight card. You should guys should definitely check it out on YouTube. It's really cool. It's like a behind the scenes documentary thing. Bryce Mitchell pulls out a bunch of relics. One is in a clamshell. The other is something I don't even remember. And the third thing is like this sage. And he says, you burn the red sage in order to summon the, the spirit of dragons for your fight. It's, it's meant to symbolize a bloodbath and there's going to be a bloodbath. I don't know why he's got like astrology girl energy and I'm kind of into it. So uh, I also like Bryce Mitchell. I haven't decided whether I'm going to bet on him yet. I probably am. I like him as a dude. He's kind of funny. Yeah. Looking at the stats and the measurables, I mean, his is a five inch reach disadvantage. Um, significant strikes. He's also at a disadvantage, but his accuracy is higher than Barbosa's. Well, how old um, is Barbosa now? He's got to be 40. Let me see. I have it up. 36. Huh? All right. I thought he was older than that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I might stay away from that fight. That can, that concerns me. I'll, I'll give you my picks. Um, I'm really nervous about Dos Anjos. I think he's going to win, but he's going down 10 pounds for this fight so that it didn't get canceled. And he's losing 10 pounds in a week. That's a really tough weight cut. That's a really, for his age, that's a really, really tough weight cut. Um, So I'm a little nervous. I still think he wins. He's in my parlay. I got Sergey Spivak because I hate Greg Hardy and I think he's a terrible fighter. And every time I watch him, he loses. He's seven and four. I don't know how he's still getting fights. Um, I'm going to take Jorge Masvidal just because of how much I hate Colby Covington. I watched all of the interview content. Colby Covington is doing this thing, and it's where I draw the line in fight antics. He's bringing up Masvidal's family. He's bringing up his daughter. He's bringing up his, his mother. He's bringing up his, his baby mama. All these things that are personal. And I think you can be a heel, but when you cross that line 
to me, it signals you're afraid. McGregor did it with Habib. Um, recently, Colby did it with Usman and then lost. It's never a good sign. Masvidal seems cool, calm, collected. And the thing with Covington, and Masvidal's brought it up multiple times, he knows how to be the hammer. He doesn't know how to be the nail. When you're fighting Jorge Masvidal, you're going to be the nail. You're not knocking him out. Usman's the only guy that's knocked him out. That's not going to happen. Covington's not going to knock him out. Covington's going to try and wrestle him and take him down. But when they were fighting with each other back in the day, Masvidal did not weigh in at 175. He was far later. I think, and Usman said this on the ESPN coverage after the uh, Islam Makhachev fight. It's going to be really hard. Colby's going to find out how hard it is to take Masvidal down. He has really good takedown defense. If this fight's on their feet, I like Masvidal because I think he can eat more punches. And I think if anyone's knocking the other out, it's Masvidal knocking Colby out. And I think Masvidal will fight until the ref stops it. Like, he's not going down on his own. He will spit out his front teeth and get up to fight this guy. They both said they take this fight for free. They hate each other. I'm hyped for it. I hate Colby Covington, so I'm going to bet on Masvidal. That's not like a skill-based assessment. I still think Colby's the better fighter, but I'm going to take Jorge. Yeah, it's understandable. Um, you know, I it's tough. It's tough for me. I mean, I, I just I think I, I just lean Covington, and I'm going to stick with it. That's um, not a bad I, pick. You're making I, the right pick. I'm making a, a pick on who I like as a person, essentially, which is never good. But I did it with Poirier and McGregor the first time, and it worked out. And I, I see a lot of similarities in this fight. Yeah, and I think if you take my parlay with, with those three picks and it makes it through those first two pipe, first two fights with uh, Bryce Mitchell and Dos Anjos, hedge it out with Masvidal. Like, at, at plus 250, yeah. like... That's yeah. a great number if, if you wanted to just wait, take a little hedge. You know? Wait to make that bet. I think that line's going to move more in Covington's favor. I think a lot of the money is going to get put on Covington as we get closer to this fight. I'm going to wait to the last minute to put my parlay in because I think Masvidal's odds are only going to get better. I think the interview portion of everything put the money towards Masvidal, and when cooler heads prevail, a lot of that money will swing back to Covington because of his skill. And like I got Spivak, Dos Anjos, Masvidal. That's my pick. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's tough because I saw two videos by the same channel on YouTube where they just like interviewed professional fighters and asked for their pick. By far, they, they said Covington, but you, you don't know when all that, that shit talk is happening, how it just motivates Masvidal, how it might motivate Colby, or it, it's like you said, a disadvantage. Like he's actually scared. Like they all said, Covington has a better gas tank, uh, a little bit more skill than Masvidal. Far more skill. Yeah, so. He's a better athlete, but I watched that Stephen A interview. Masvidal was cool as a cucumber, and he was really getting under Colby's skin. And what Masvidal, everything he said was true. Covington isn't from Miami, even though he's claiming he's the king. And Masvidal had the coldest line of anyone this week when he said, like, he was like, Colby ain't going to be able to go out anywhere in Miami after this fight. Cause up to this point, I've said, nah, no one put his hand, put their hands on him. I want to get him first. But he's like, after I fight him, streets are open. He can get it from anywhere. He's not gonna be able to go out in Miami. That's my city. I got some hard hidden motherfuckers on him. And I'm like, damn, bro. That's tough. That's tough. Look for Colby. Um, yeah. he, he looks like a bitch again all week. Uh, he always looks like a bitch. Cause he is a bitch. I'm not going to fight him. Cause he's a UFC fighter. Uh, please don't fight me. Uh, but 
I don't know. I hate him. You can tell by the way I'm talking about him. I want Masvidal to win so bad. I'm going to bet on him. I usually don't do this, but I'm doing it here. Yeah. Um, this is the first time I think I've watched like every single piece of promo that, that, that they had available for, for a UFC weekend. Like I am so excited for this. Uh, yeah, that's really all I got to say. I'm, I'm excited to watch and it'll be a great cap off to, uh, to a Saturday when we're going to, we're all going to win those first two parlays and then cap it off with this UFC parlay. I'm excited. Hell yeah. Well, I think that's a podcast, brother. Solid. 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 Um, we'll be back on Tuesday with Finney's betting corner recap. We'll see if Finney can go 18 and 0. Uh, if he can, something's going to have to be done. Uh, the library of Alexandria might reburn to the ground. But I'll have my picks, my results. We'll have everything from across the NBA, MLB lockout if there's news, NFL. We'll, I guess, talk some combine stuff. And uh, we'll take you in a conference tournament week on a high note. Just remember, NCAA tournament is coming around the corner. A week from Tuesday, we're going to do an NCAA tournament preview podcast. So that podcast will be designated strictly to NCAA tournament previews what we like, what our brackets are, what we think about the regions, everything from a gambling perspective as well. So keep an ear to the ground for that. This has been the Victory Formation podcast presented by Good Soup, and we will see you all on Tuesday. I keep that thing on me. God damn it, Bobby, they see me selling propane and now they trying to copy. Pretend to be broke, but I got hella cash. If you use charcoal, I'ma kick your ass. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. That's my purse, I don't know you. If you running up, then I pull out this 32. Bitchy's big, Bobby spitting heat in the stew. I got rats on rats, and you ain't got a clue. God damn it, Bobby. Shut the fuck up. When I'm on the block, bitch, I'm fucking shit. Oh man, god damn. Bitch, I'm pulling out, painting clouds on my walls. Better go kick my dad in the balls. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Oh man, goddamn. Bobby, I know you were capping the whole time, boy. I know you get no bitches and no hoes and no paper, no bands, boy. All you do is sit in the fucking basement all day and play World of Warcraft with your bitch ass, jerking off to hentai all day with your ugly ass, man. Bobby, you need to go get a fucking job or something, man. I'm about to kick you out of the house, bitch.